Welcome back to the Underage Packers podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 66. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joey. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any more episodes. Joining me as always after his two weeks absence, I miss talking Packers with him, is my favorite co-host, obviously. Big B, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Today's a great day. Excited yep. for this episode. Are, are you surviving the offseason so far? I mean, we always... Like once we get to the drafts, like, man, this offseason is going by pretty quick. But then we're like, OK, we got three months of pouring mini camp and OTAs. But are you surviving the offseason, especially with a dead free agency for the Packers, at least? Yeah, I think I am doing a pretty good job, I think. Making it through, making it through uh, at least no Twitter meltdowns quite yet. But uh, reason Big B and I are so excited for this episode is because we have a very special guest. We tried to get friend of the show, Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, he had to host Jeopardy, making excuses like usual. So we got the next best thing in Mike Spofford of Packers.com. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, you bet, Joey. Thanks for having me. No problem. So with Mike, we're going to be talking about uh, like usual, just because we want to get the best path, how to steal uh, his or Wes's job. We're going to ask him a little bit about his career, how we got uh, to where he is today. And then we'll talk about the upcoming NFL draft. So Mike, let's start off with, uh, you know, everybody knows Wes and that he was with the Press Gazette before because he started his career when everything was just starting to get online. But what were your jobs kind of leading up to being a staff writer for the Packers? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Wes and working at the Press Gazette because Wes and I actually had the same job at the Press Gazette at two completely different times because um, mm. I – when I uh, got out of graduate school, my first job was at the Wausau Daily Herald as a sports writer there. It joined up there in the mid-90s, worked there for three years, moved to the Press Gazette in 1998, and I was covering uh, mostly high schools, also some college basketball, and then, you know, kind of a backup guy on the Packers, which, uh, which really was very similar to Wes's first um, job at the Press Gazette when he became full-time after he had been part-time there for a while. He and I actually just missed each other oh. in the Press Gazette newsroom because uh, essentially the person who kind of took my full-time spot when I left the Press Gazette in 2004, um, then Wes took that individual's um, part-time spot and then everything kind of evolved from there. So um Actually, when I left the press, because that I got out of sports writing for a little bit, um, had my second child on the way, was trying to see if maybe a change in things and not working so many nights and weekends would work out better for the family. Mm -hmm. And um, bottom line is it didn't because I wasn't <laughs> that happy. So um, fortunately, was able to get back into sports writing when uh, the Packers in 2006, they decided for the first time to hire a full-time website writer, Packers.com up until 2006, the first few years of its existence, um, the writing for the website was only done by either part-timers or interns. Um, I was actually hired as the first full-time writer for Packers.com in 2006. And uh, here we are 15 years later and uh, I'm still there. And your whole career has led up to this podcast episode. So here you are today. Uh, so what do you think, you know, you've worked through 15 years at Packers.com, like you mentioned, uh, and there's been such a revolution in how uh, journalism, reporting on sports, uh, how much has changed 
uh, into digital media in these years that you've experienced uh, at Packers.com? Yeah, I mean, my job right now is is really not a whole lot uh, like what it was when I was first hired 15 years ago. The the biggest changes I would say to to sort of keep things in a nutshell. One, the uh, uh, the expansion into into you know the different media forms, you know, doing, you know, as you know, Wes and I do Packers Unscripted. I've also, you know, we do all kinds of video work. Um, I didn't do anything behind a camera, or I should say in front of a camera or behind a microphone. Didn't do any of that really for my first five or six years or so uh, with the website. It was all just writing. Um, and then the other thing that has really changed too, and, and has really taken off, especially over the last, you know, I would say eight to 10 years, is, uh, is the interaction with the fans, you know, via the insider inbox column, live chats, live blogging during the games. Again, my first handful of years at the website, we didn't do any of that. And now that's very much a part of what we do at Packers.com. Fans can send us questions through insider inbox. You can log on if I'm doing a live chat or if I'm live blogging a game and, you know, join in the conversation there. So there's a lot more fan interaction direct yeah. fan interaction that occurs now that uh, definitely was not happening more than a decade ago. I think my favorite part about uh, your in, Insider Inbox series is just looking at uh, like the town names that people live in. Because Wisconsin cities and towns are a different breed. You know, you got like Sheboygan, Oshkosh, all types of different uh, weird names. Uh, so what are some of the behind the scenes things that um, you know, might not be your least favorite parts of the job? Uh, and wh- I, I guess I'll just rephrase it. What is your favorite part of the job? And then a least favorite part that uh, nobody really sees. <laughs> well, for sure, the best part of the job is game day. And um, it's also one of the hardest days of the week, so to speak, during the season because of the amount of work. Um, it's a ton of work, but it's, you know, it's, it's what we do it for. It's to be there. It's to be there on game day. It's to cover the games. To uh, you know, to be able to witness the live action as much as possible. This last season was a little different because uh, Wes and I did not travel um, in 2020, um, but uh, so we were only there live for the home games and we were watching the road games on television for the first time. But game day is game day is the best. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's what every week leads up to, and you know, it's it, the same for the fans. It, it's that way for us as writers, at least. It is for me because uh, because you know that's what the fans care about the most is the mm-hmm. result of the game, how it happened, why it happened, and we're trying to get those stories written, those post game stories written, the analysis, the editorial, the notes, all that. We're trying to get sure. that stuff up on the website as soon as we can after the game. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a race against the clock, and uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of adrenaline, a lot of intensity to it, but it's also a heck of a lot of fun. Um, so that is uh, that that is definitely the, uh, the the best part of things. The um, I mean I don't know as as far as as far as the downside. I mean every you know every office situation you know you have your meetings that you have to go to and yeah. you have like you know different there's different things we have to do in the off season that you know we need to dedicate some time to uh, those things in the off season that frankly, we don't have time to do it during the season. So we kind of, mm-hmm. we get to blow off some of those work requirements and, uh, but then, you know, you have to get them done in the off season because that's when, uh, that's when the time allows. So, but you know, that's just, that's just your standard, standard business office 
paperwork this yeah. and that kind of thing that that everybody has to do so uh big those are questions about your job now big b has some really hard hitting questions for you done with the softballs big b let's hear your uh very hard prepared questions here all right so something that people have been arguing about have been the draft hats recently so what are your thoughts on the new draft hats the draft hats um you know i wish i wish they would you know stop having to like design a new one like every year i mean it's you know wouldn't it be cool to see you know jair alexander and rashawn gary and Josiah DeGuara, like all wearing the same hat the day that they get drafted by the Packers. It always has to be a different one every year. I get it from the merchandising standpoint and all that, but, you know, just, just standardize them. And then, you know, those pictures year after year, when guys get yeah. drafted, I think they would, it would look a lot cooler that way. That's just my opinion. Start it now. So we can have some 2021 draft pick matching up with 2041. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. I think that would be cool. All right. What's up next, Big B? All right. What is it like to work with Larry McCarron? Larry? Oh, it's a blast, man. I mean, I tell you, that guy, There, as I'm sure you've seen on our website, we do the three things videos and, and other videos and stuff with Larry. And I'm telling you, he never tells us, me or Wes or the guy behind the camera, whoever it is, he never tells us what he's going to say. So when we react to like whatever he has to say, like on camera, it's like a genuine reaction because we don't know. We, he he doesn't he doesn't tell us it's a uh, whether we're laughing or we give him a quizzical look or whatever the case might be. It is absolutely natural because uh, he is he's as good as there is in my opinion at just being totally spontaneous and rolling with it with the camera rolling and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Now, does he have that same energy all the time that he has on camera? It's, you know, he has the energy of a, a wacky 20-year-old at some time. Yeah. No, I mean, no, Larry is not like that all the time. He definitely <laughs> turns it on. He definitely turns it on for the camera. But uh, but I love I love his on-camera personality. And, uh, and I also love being able to just uh, talk football with the guy off-camera, too, because, you know, as somebody who was in the trenches in the NFL for – as long as he was, he, uh, he has a perspective that, uh, you know, that there's a lot of things that have changed in the NFL since Larry McCarron played, but the game is still pretty much the same in the trenches and he can let you yep. know what's going on down there and in there. And, uh, and that's always a neat perspective. to have. All right. I'm looking forward to, uh, to your answers on these next two, uh, especially the last one. This is the last one is only a question Big B would ask, but uh, see those last two Big B. Okay, what is your favorite season that you covered? My favorite season that I covered. Wow, that's a preferably of the Packers and not uh, high school rugby. Yeah, I assume you're. I assume you're talking. Uh, I assume you're talking Packers. Um, boy, that's 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 a really good. I mean, the the answer the answer honestly is not is not 2010 the Super Bowl season. I mean, obviously that was the most fun you know, postseason to cover with, uh, with the Packers, you know, going all the way. Um, but if I had to pick, if I had to pick a favorite season, to be honest, I would probably say 2009. Um, and the reason I, the reason I say that is, uh, 
Um, I don't know how old you guys were in 2009, but uh, um, but the Packers were the Packers yeah. were actually like four and four at the midway point that year, and they lost an absolutely dreadful game down in Tampa to the Buccaneers. Um, a game they absolutely had no business losing, and it was a terrible performance. It was Sounds familiar. Awful. Um, it was actually, I, I want to say it was right after the, um, it was right after the two games where the Packers had played against Brett Favre when he had obviously wow. joined the Vikings there in 2009. They had lost those couple of games. Then they lost, they lost to um, the Buccaneers and were four and four. And a lot of people were just, were completely writing the Packers off. It was like, forget about it, you know, whatever. And then suddenly, you know, they beat the Dallas Cowboys, I believe it was like 17 to seven, kind of a defensive struggle at Lambeau Field. That sparked a seven and one run over the last, over the second half of the season. And the Packers got in the playoffs and then played one of the most entertaining playoff games as heartbreaking as the finish was, but one of the most entertaining playoff games you will ever see that wildcard game out in Arizona that ended up 51 to 45 in overtime when the Packers had rallied from three touchdowns down to tie the game and then get, got it to overtime and all that. So there's a lot of really good memories aside from the two losses to the Vikings and Brett Favre. There are a lot of really good memories from that 2009 season. And then obviously that led into the 2010 season. That everyone remembers. Yeah, that's I've never heard of that. I was thinking of um, the 2018 or 2008 season, uh, but well, everybody talks about 2016 around the table. I guess there just wasn't as uh, good as the same with second year starter Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it was it was quite a run there. This the second half of the second half of 2009, the Packers were playing. Packers were playing as you know as good a football as anyone in the league. They had they had some issues on defense. In fact, the only loss, if I'm remembering things correctly, the only loss in the second half of 2009 was on a last play of the game touchdown pass by Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. that uh, that beat the Packers or they would have gone 8-0 aside from that one play they would have gone 8-0 the second half of that year heading into the playoffs. Wow all right uh, Big B final hard hitter question uh, from Mike. <laughs> Favorite story with Jamal Williams. Big B is Jamal Williams super fan, so better not disappoint. Oh, well, the thing, it's not, it, I guess I'll, I'll say a couple of things. One, it was always interesting to, like, when Wes and I would do the pregame, like, Periscope Facebook Live down on the field, like, before the game, sometimes when we would do that, Jamal Williams would come by in the background doing like his little dancing thing, you know, with the headphones on and, and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, and of course, Wes and I have, you know, our backs to him. So we didn't always know if he was in the shot or if those who were watching us, you know, live on camera at that time, you know, what, what, what they were seeing. So, uh, so that was, it was always entertaining to, uh, to see whether or not he would actually show up in the background of, uh, of our live shots doing his dancing but the other the other one which the other one which I will never forget was when uh I, I was part of a group of reporters around his locker when um he uh he actually 
he asked someone to repeat a question because he said, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even listening. Um, that one is an all timer for me. I don't think yeah. I have, I don't think I have ever heard a player admit to a reporter in the midst of a, a group interview at his locker that he simply wasn't even listening to the question. But that was Jamal and it was totally good natured and good hearted. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure you've probably seen and heard the clip. It's, it's hilarious. And uh, I will always remember him for that one as far as the uh, interview portion of things. That was on Zoom. He could just uh, find something to blame it on. Oh, my computer wasn't working. <laughs> so now let's talk a little bit about the Packers and uh, 2021 draft here. Finally getting into this. So uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier um, the transition or Brett Favre being on the Vikings. Um, so there's kind of at possibly at the start of another one of those transitions from a, another quarterback. Um, so specifically with the draft selections of the here, uh, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot of people like to compare the two, but that uh, someone who was there, uh, I was four months old when this uh, selection happened. So uh, take us through kind of not only maybe the reasoning behind the selection, uh, both selections, but also the fan reactions, to both uh, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers pick. Well, I mean, the, to be honest, the, the, the fan reaction in both cases um, was, was rather similar because, because it was a pick that people didn't see it coming. Um, they, uh, they, they didn't really understand like why when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback playing you know, the way he is, do you, you know, do you invest a first round draft pick in a guy that you know, you're not planning to have him play for at least a couple of years? And, Fans are always, you know, they're always looking to the draft, especially those high picks in the draft for that, for that immediate help at, at the position, uh, at, at any position uh, mm -hmm. to help the team make another, you know, make another run in the playoffs, get to a Super Bowl, whatever the case might be. So the fan reaction, you know, seem, seems similar to me. What I think that where, where I think the circumstances, the circumstances are very different, you know, in a couple of respects. One uh, back in 2005, Ted Thompson was, he was sitting there at 24. He did not make a trade. He did not move. Aaron Rodgers simply fell into his lap mm -hmm. and the Packers had him obviously very, very highly rated on their board and, uh, and just felt like, you know, there was no, there was just no way you could pass him up. And the fact that, you know, Brett Favre had already been hemming and hawing about retirement for a couple of years up until that point. Um, you know, it, uh, it was, I think it was, it was a fortuitous uh, run of events there for Green Bay to be able to get Aaron Rodgers when they did. Um, last year, with regard to the Jordan Love pick, as you know, Brian Gutekunst decided to trade up, traded a fourth round pick to move up to select Love. So that was, that was different. We've heard Aaron Rodgers say he wants to play into his 40s. He said many times he would love to be able to play his entire career for the Packers. So the context there was very, very different from, you know, Brett Favre back in 2005. I think, you know, I'll admit, like, th there are some elements to the rationale that I think are, are, still, are still difficult to understand when the Packers yeah. were coming off of an appearance in the NFC Championship game. But at the same time, I'll say this, 2018 and 2019 statistically were not the greatest seasons for Aaron Rodgers. 
-hmm. If you're the GM and you feel like you maybe have to hedge against the future a little bit because you're not sure where things are going with the new head coach, you can't be 100% sure that Aaron Rodgers is going to go out in year two with Matt LaFleur and win an MVP. I can understand, I can understand the pick from that standpoint. And then also simply just wanting to have um, a really good quarterback prospect to be able to develop. And, you know, I won't get into all, I know there's all kinds of stuff being thrown out there right now in terms of what, what's going to happen and this and that, and all this controversy about the contract. I shouldn't even say controversy, but speculation or whatever the case is Mm -hmm. with regard to Rogers contract. But Um, But I will say this, and I said it last year at the time, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility for Jordan Love to be the next Jimmy Garoppolo, that Aaron Rodgers, you know, plays several more years for the Packers and Jordan Love ends up getting traded, you know, without ever being any more than Aaron Rodgers backup in Green Bay. I'm not saying that's going to happen, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely within the realm of possibility. So For me, where I sit, I, you know, I'm like, hey, let's just let it play out and let's see yeah. what happens. And, uh, um, and you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP. I think he's going to have another great year in 2021. And there's a lot of pressure on this team to, uh, to, to get to the Super Bowl after coming so close the last couple of years. To me, that's what matters most for 2021. You worry about the future later. Yeah, I would completely agree with a lot of things you said there. Uh, there's just some things like I understand the rationale, uh, like you mentioned, on wanting to get ahead of future quarterback problems because you see teams like the 49ers uh, just two weeks ago having to trade up a lot of draft capital to take a risk on a guy who they're going to most likely throw out there uh, pretty early in his career. Uh, so I like the idea of getting ahead. And then there's just some stuff, like you also mentioned, that's going that we'll never be able to know of exactly you know did they really like Jordan Love so much where they're saying you know we might have to move on from Rodgers one or two years more early than we'd possibly like to uh just because we really think that Jordan Love can be something special but uh, there's just a lot to play out on how he develops um and all of that so Big B what do you think is a biggest the biggest difference you could point to on the Packers in 2005 selecting a quarterback from California and the Packers in 2020 selecting a quarterback from Utah state. Biggest difference. Um, I would say like Mike said, um, how Brett Favre was contemplating mm-hmm. retirement. Rogers really saying that he wants to play into his forties, two completely d- different scenarios, but I just can't wait to see how this all plays out with Jordan love. Yes, there's certainly going to be some heartbreak, uh, but it will make a great documentary once it all plays out. Um, yeah, you, you make a good point there, Joey, when you said, I mean, you know, there, there's, a, there's a saying in the NFL, the worst time to draft a quarterback is when you need one. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, that's when, uh, you know, the chances of, uh, of making a mistake are greater. Now, as I've said in Insider Inbox and on our unscripted podcast, when I was watching the draft last year and I was covering it from home because none of us were together, we were all on our laptops and everything, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the coverage uh, uh, in isolated areas. When I saw that the Packers were trading up from 30 to 26, I thought, oh, they're drafting Patrick Queen, the linebacker yep. from LSU. That's got to be the pick. That's got to be the pick. And then it pops up, you know, Jordan Love from Utah State, which is kind of funny because my son, 
last year, actually last spring was graduating from Utah State. Oh. And we had brought him home due to the due to the pandemic. Yeah. So I and he was up in his bedroom. So I immediately <laughs> sent him a text because I couldn't leave my computer. I said, hey, we just drafted your quarterback from uh, out there in Logan, Utah. Um, but anyway, side note aside, I, I, I thought the Packers were drafting Patrick Queen when the trade up was being made. And so I was surprised that they took Jordan Love. Um, but all that being said, I completely understand why Gutekunst did what he did. I, mm -hmm. I, I get it. I really do. Yeah. So uh, Patrick Queen is exactly who I thought, too. Uh, if the 2020 draft was nothing else. It was surprising uh, with every single pick. Um, so, so talking about this year's draft, um, I'll, I'll ask you first, you have a favorite prospect or a draft crush as uh, kids would say these days. Oh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't go down that road, Joey. I'll, uh, I'll admit to you. I just, I don't let myself, I don't let myself get too attached to, uh, to any one prospect, but if I were to, if I were to say, if I were to say the three the three positions that I think are the are the highest on the Packers radar priority list, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. I think it's offensive tackle, defensive line and cornerback. And you can put those in whatever order you want to. But that's what I see from a need perspective as as what's up there the highest. Now, it seems like there are quite a few pretty good cornerbacks out there and also a lot of really, really good offensive tackles out there. Yeah. I think. I think there could be somebody at either of those positions who will be there for the Packers at 29 where I don't have that same confidence as far as a top guy falling to 29 is a defensive lineman, because this draft is not as deep on the defensive line as, uh, as some other drafts have been in the past. So I think because, because the odds of, a guy like that being available at 29 when I look at one of those top guys on the defensive line Christian Barmore from Alabama um, if he is still there at the bottom of the first round um, mm -hmm. it would be really really hard for me if I were Brian Gutekunst to pass on a defensive lineman like that because yeah I've you know I'm sure you guys have looked at it too I looked at it and explained it in inbox several weeks ago finding a you know, long-term bona fide Pro Bowl caliber defensive lineman late in the first round. The track record is not good. The Packers <laughs> hit a home run with Kenny Clark yeah. five years ago at 26. That is not the rule. That is the exception with defensive linemen when you're picking late in the first round. You just look at the last 10 years of drafts and, uh, and it proves it. So, in a year that is thin on the defensive line, if a guy like Barmore from Alabama is actually still there late in the first round, it'd be really hard for me to pass him up. So Yeah, I love uh, Christian as well from uh, Alabama. Is that right? Yes. Uh, so it's always interesting. It always depends on how the board falls, no matter, no matter how many uh, mock drafts you do, how many you look at. Uh, there's always going to be at least a few surprises on draft night. So Bigby, what do you think uh, Brian Goodkins has made a, a move up and every year he has been the general manager so far. Uh, what do you think they do this year? Do they stay put? Um, do they trade down? Because, you know, there's not as much information on these prospects. Some of them opted out. Uh, no combine this year, so you get a lot of manipulated pro day numbers. So what do you think um, the Packers do with their 29th overall pick this year? 
Well, over the past couple of weeks, I've really convinced myself that they were going to trade up in the draft. And I don't know who they're going to pick mm-hmm. by trading up. I don't know who they love, of course. Yeah. But I've really convinced myself that they're going to trade up this year. Yep. I, I just feel there's so many prospects that I look at that I think fit perfectly uh, with what they want. Uh, they have the also glorious relative athletic score that Brian Gutekinds loves. Uh, so that it's going to be a fun uh, night to look at, especially after last year's draft, how they go about this year. So uh, one final question, looking ahead to July and August, Mike, what are you most looking forward to uh, this offseason? The long snapper competition between Joe Fortunato and Hunter Bradley, uh, loves progressions, new rookies. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? I mean, that, it, that's hard to say right now without knowing, you know, what the Packers draft class is and where, you know, where some of these uh, rookies are going to be mm-hmm. uh, competing and, and, you know, the, those spots and whatnot. But I will say this, I think the, I think the return of Josiah DeGuara at tight end oh, yeah. from his season ending knee injury from early last year, I think that's going to be interesting to follow. I don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp or if he won't be ready until, you know, the start of the regular season or what timeline is there but uh but with what the Packers have at tight end you're bringing back the big dog Mercedes Lewis Robert Tunyon had obviously the big breakout season with 11 touchdowns you've got Jay Sternberger you're hoping he can stay healthy after dealing with some injuries the last couple years Dominique Daphne um you know came and uh, you know came in late in the season and and uh, and made a contribution there and then you got DeGuara De coming back from injury I really like the Packers tight end room and and Matt LaFleur yeah. loves guys at that position so if you get that position back to full strength I think that's one definitely to uh to watch in training camp to see to see how it unfolds and and what roles what different roles guys are going to have yeah, uh, like you mentioned, the draft class, you know, if they draft a not-so-sexy pick like a offensive tackle, uh, not too much to look into the offseason or preseason there. You know, if they draft a, a fast, speedy wide receiver, maybe Kadarius Tony, then that's a, a lot to look forward to. But Big B, what do you think as of now you're looking most forward to uh, in this offseason once they get back to practicing when we make our trip up to training camp, obviously? Yeah, Um Probably who's going to take running back number three, mm. I would say. Because yeah, that might be hard to tell, and it will probably go on throughout the season. But, you know, after losing uh, Jamal Williams to the Lions, the GOAT, uh, you know, you have to account for uh, who's going to be behind A.J. Dillon. Um, and you have kind of a plethora of guys between Mike Weber, Dexter Williams, a lot of different interesting guys that they might like inside, but we really have no clue. Uh, their thoughts on as of now I think uh, you've some something to say Mike yeah just I was going to say if on the on the defensive side of the ball I think the really interesting thing is going to be just what uh, what is going to change with Joe Barry you know mm-hmm. as defensive coordinator taking over for Mike Pettin you know I don't I don't see the Packers you know having this completely different look uh schematically you know on defense I don't I don't know if there are a lot of things to the to the naked eye so to speak that are going to look a lot different but you know how are you know how are certain roles gonna you know how are things going to sort out at inside linebacker with Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin and then maybe another draft pick thrown into that mix what are they what are they going to do with regard to the to the nickel and dime packages um 
you know, with Joe Barry, how does he want to, you know, deploy certain guys, whether it's Darnell Savage, whether it's Jair Alexander. And then, um, you know, as far as the, you know, your, your three edge rushers, the Smiths and, and Rashawn Gary, how much are they going to be on the field together? You know, who's going to have what role on, you know, in certain situations, um, you know, or, or will all three be out there even more, more uh, in, in more situations than they were last year. So I think all of those things are going to be really interesting to follow with, uh, with Joe Barry and the Packers getting a new coordinator on that side of the ball. Yeah. The defensers it's pretty much all the same players. I think the only two people uh, they lost was Raven green and uh, Christian Kirksey. So uh, a lot bringing the band back together for another run uh, this time with a new coordinator though. Uh, Mike, that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel at underage Packers. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Give us a good review on Apple Podcasts. and uh, write something nice. Cause I like to read those from time to time. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all of that good stuff. Big B, any final words for the folks? I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.